I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. Yeah, I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told. So I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. The economy is getting back underway, and with it, the world of pro sports. Stay ahead of the curve with the unparalleled tools of two world-class news desks covering developments across finance, economics, technology, and sports. Subscribe to Bloomberg.com, and if you are not already an Athletic subscriber for a limited time, receive a complimentary subscription to The Athletic. Go to Bloomberg.com slash subscribe to sign up today. All right, James, it is an in-person edition of the Leaf Report podcast. It's crazy. It's like September and we have tons to talk about. I guess you're in my bubble now. Yeah. Well, I've been in your bubble. Like, we have these extended circles. Is that what they're called? Something like that, yeah. Um, but it's weird. Like, it's the off-season. I guess we always have a lot to talk about in the off-season, but it feels like now, given the scale of change we might see, um, there's even more to talk about. Yeah, you know? I think so. I mean, last season the Leafs had lots of turnover, but it was kind of like lower level turnover. Mm-hmm. There wasn't because of the Marner contract was going to take up a lot of their space, um, and there weren't a whole bunch of trades last year. I mean, obviously the Kadri trade was a, was a big Zaitsev, but we knew that stuff was coming, right? Like Zaitsev, Marlowe, Marlowe, we knew. Yeah, I guess you know the draft last year they were pretty active. This year it feels like it's going to be even more kind of seismic change that there. Are, you know, I've been hearing, I, I get messages from other teams around the league and they're like, oh, I'm hearing the Leafs are doing this. I'm hearing the Leafs are shopping these guys. That's been happening a lot. I've been getting that like the last 10 days I've been, and you look at some of the reporting I've had on our site the last few days. Uh, it's it's mostly, the Leafs don't like broadcasting a lot of this stuff. So it's mostly other teams are saying this is what they're doing. And for such a condensed period, um, I would say the last week and a half, there's been a lot of that. Well, and I would say a lot of what you've put out there and have reported is what we have talked about that they should do. Like we talked about the scales of change. Either you were going to take from that core, those four guys, or you were going to go to the next level and start looking at Anderson, start looking at Kapanen, start looking at Janssen and Kerfoot. And those are all the guys that you've heard are out there. 
So yeah. maybe that's not surprising. Yeah, so the full list is, I mean, Kapanen was at the top of the list. He was the most likely one to go, and he did last week, obviously. But then the next tier is Anderson, Kerfoot, Janssen, Angval. I think that's it. It was a group of four. And, like, there's some talk about Nylander, but the talk I hear about Nylander is that they're not going to get any an offer anywhere close to what will make them decide to trade him. It's still funny. He still feels so undervalued well i was thinking about it and i think part of it is that that season he had not this year but the year before hurt his value i i think it goes deeper though i think it's like the perception of who he is who his dad is what he looks like how he plays his attitude like yeah michael nylander was not the most beloved player around the nhl and you know he had kind of a somewhat questionable reputation and and i I think nylander is just gonna have to to keep proving people wrong. You and I know how good he is because we see him every game and the fans listening know how good he is. I don't think other teams know quite his talent level. Like he's, he can be like a nine or a $10 million player. He can be one of the best offensive players in the NHL, especially playing with a good center. Um, and it just sounds like other teams around the league don't value him to the level that they should. So why, if you're the Leafs, why would you trade him? Why would you trade him at a, for uh, unless there was like, the, like you can't just trade Nylander for cap space. It makes no sense. You have to. There has to be another team that, that likes him that's willing to give you something good. Yes, as you know, like I started writing a story about whether they should trade him, and I haven't finished it because it doesn't feel like it's the kind of thing that's going to happen. But I also, as someone like you and I, like you mentioned, we've both been at the front or right near the front of the bandwagon that this guy is actually really good, even through the contract stuff. But I do get some of the the apparent drawbacks that would cause some teams to look at him and be like, eh, because you can look at that, that playoff. Granted, it's five games. It's after a five-month layoff. But that stuff is still there where like you still wonder which Nylander you're going to get night after night. The consistency and engagement is real. Uh, if I was the Leafs, it would concern me a little bit because it's not a one-time thing. It's kind of been there throughout well, his they, career. It's they, gotten better this year. They've been year. with Nylander from the beginning too, right? Yes. Like Keith had they him know him the better Marlies than and like They yeah. know him really, really well, and they wouldn't have given him that contract, and they wouldn't have stood by him, and they wouldn't have told him he wasn't going to get traded in the immediate aftermath of that. Wait, no, 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 no. Don't, don't mm-hmm. buy into that. That's not... Go back and read the quotes as I did. That's not what they said. They said they were not trading him... Neilander is on the record saying Kyle told me he would not trade me as long as he was in charge. I know. So and then, don't tra- they? The perceptions out there now that that's changed is is not doesn't feel tied to well, reality. People don't know. Elliot Friedman had in one of his columns that that there was never a guarantee made to Neilander that he would never get traded. So that does not feel accurate. It's interesting that that comes out right now. Yes. That doesn't feel like an accident that that comes out. That suggests no, well, that, that my spidey sense was like, okay, <laughs> yes. it's like almost like they're sitting at a table that something might happen. And I, I think we should say I don't think it's impossible that Nylander gets traded. I think it's really unlikely. Well, because like the only way that you should trade him, like all that stuff you're saying is that, like they believed in his potential and they believe in all that. They stuff. They still believe in. They his still potential. believe in that. Yeah. But you're getting to a point where you're going to have to do something, and that stuff with him is still there and you wonder if it's it's always going to be there if like he's just always going to be leaving you wanting a little bit more and and granted like uh i had dom kind of send me the projections 
he's underpaid. Like he is underpaid right now. He's going to be underpaid as, as time goes on. But that stuff matters when there's a cap. So I think the only way you trade him is if you get that like perfect piece on defense who's like, I don't know. Like the, there's a few names that would make me think about it. Like Ekblad would make me think about it. Think about it. Doesn't mean I do it. I think about it. But there's not a lot. Yeah, I think you need to get you need to get the player that your other assets can't get you. Right. Yes. Like that yeah. Yes. So, and I don't know that they're gonna be able to get that defenseman for him. Well, and like there's so one of the things we're gonna talk about in a bit is is I've been going through and we're gonna publish it next week. I've been going like across the entire league and looking at every team and, and defenseman they could trade for. One of the guys that, that comes up that looks really interesting and who we've talked about before is Colton Pareko. Now the problem with Colton Pareko is he's only signed for two more years and then and then you're gonna have to pay him. So in a hypothetical trade, not even considering the fact that the Blues probably don't want to trade Pareko, if you traded Pareko for Neander straight up, you're getting two years of Pareko, then you gotta pay him. Neander's under contract for four years under value. Like it's it's really tough to find a one for one trade that makes perfect sense. So yeah, but I, it's just been hard to find a t- another team that. Right, who also sees that, him. That wants to make that trade. You know, I think that teams know how valuable top four defensemen are, and especially right shots. And, like, I mean, look, I don't know. It's interesting. Like, look what Kapanen got on the trade market. And, like, if I, I, I think what the Leafs are thinking of doing, the reason that they're looking at this, like, second-tier group of players they could potentially trade is they want to run back the core one more time. Yeah. Like, this is not... This is not a full-out endorsement of the way this team is built and the top players forever. The way that it seemed like that was there uh, in the past. You know, I think that if, if they fall on their face again, I mean, for one, management's probably going to be in trouble, um, depending on what that falling on the face looks like. But two, there, there's going to be more substantial changes. So this could be the year where there's an overhaul that doesn't involve the core. And I don't think it should, and I wrote about that on The Athletic. Unless you think Anderson's part of the core. He kind I of does. No, he's like, he's like I made, I did Adjacent? tiers of the core, and he's like, he was second tier. Yeah. Like the, the tier one is like Second tier is where they're going to That's where you look push at. Push guys out. But I think the problem with breaking it up now is it really, you really haven't given it any runway. Like last year was the first year you had Tavares. Um, and obviously the Kadri thing, was part of what went wrong. They were really close to beating Boston. And they were really close to beating Boston who ended up going to the final. And this year was such a... This year is such a cluster fuck. And then... But the team didn't look good all the year. The team did not look good. Like no, it's not an endorsement. That's the but, reason there's going to be changes. But like you've also... You have not seen a full year with Keefe with, right. with everything being... Well, even next year is not going to be normal. That's the thing. But you want to kind of give it like as long a runway as you possibly can before you go to that option. Because that option, once you trade someone like Neilander, you start searching for Neilander. You know what I mean? You can, well, I was talking to someone today who's close to the team and they were like, if you trade Neilander, who plays with Tavares? Like who's, who are his wingers, right? Like, right. Suddenly it's like Robertson and Mikheyev, which right. Robertson, we don't know what he is and we don't really know what Mikheyev is. Like suddenly you start to, I just think a lot about Edmonton and it's not a perfect comparison but after they traded Hall it was suddenly like oh man we don't we have enough get scoring winger. wingers we <laughs> we're go. in trouble and they've been looking for wingers ever since and ever they've, since, McDavid's yeah. played with like every boot and tin can they can find that can skate that I think they've got enough maneuverability if they move out like like they moved out Kapanen and they got about three million in space from that 
I think they've got an, and if they move a Janssen and an Engvall and an Anderson, that's a lot of space. To do and that's sp- a lot to, of change. Yeah. Yeah. Especially when you like Letnin's going to be coming in, Barabanov's going to be coming in, Barry and CC are going to be gone. Clifford's going to be gone. I can't see them bringing Clifford back. I don't see the reason. I don't think Goat's going to be back is my prediction. Unless he, unless he's like a... Unless I don't know why you wouldn't just bring him back for 700 grand. Well, here's the thing, Jonas. I think they're going to be so close to the cap that they can't carry extra extra players. So I think the extra players are going to have to be guys that are willing to go up and down. And he's in GOAT? Yeah. Maybe he's like your 13th forward that is with the Marlies half the time. The captain of the Marlies. <laughs> I don't know. You don't usually make your captain someone who's going up and down. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Remember last year we were talking about in the offseason how they were going to be 20-man roster all year and they were going to be so close to the cap and they might be down to 19 players at times and and it never happened because they had the injuries. So I'm not as fearful of, I don't know if fearful is the right word, I'm, I wouldn't be as reluctant to go in with hardly any cap space and like a 20-man roster. If, well, that ties into what you wrote about this week, and that was whether they can afford to do Petrangelo. You do that, and you're probably looking at oh, that yeah. kind of scenario, right? Yeah, like there were scenarios where they had like, you know, forty grand left or whatever. And but if they get the pieces they want, I think that that's fine. I know, I know that Dubas talked about having flexibility and going into the year with more cap space and how cap space will accrue over the year, and all that's well and good. But I think if they can get the players they want that's more important than having cap space to accrue. Well, and the tough part is like for planning purposes, it's, it's really hard to say what anyone's going to cost. Yeah. Like you can guess and, and I guess the chances are of it, of a guy coming in more than you expect is probably low, but who knows? Like who knows what TJ Brody is going to demand and get? No. And that's why it's, it's, it, it's a really hard decision for Leafs management because do you come out aggressively at the beginning of free agency and trade and like get the guys you want, or do you kind of like wait it out a little bit? Do you go in and do you have like two or $3 million sitting there and like, we're going to get the most interesting like guys who have to take a less smaller contract? Well, as we talked about last week with like fantasy auctions, there's risk in both things because yeah. you come out swinging, you get the guys you want, you probably pay a little bit more. You may not, like you may end up paying less. Um, or you wait and maybe you get like some bargains or maybe you get nothing. Or maybe you get a bargain on a guy who's not really who you want. Yes. And that's risky too. So I think they could probably do that with like their fourth line positions. Like if, sure. if you, yeah. if you, I, I've heard Engvall's name out there and it makes sense because Engvall's probably only a fourth liner. Mm-hmm. That contract does not look great given the flat cap. Like that got signed before we knew it was going to be a flat cap. The Leafs, don't really want to pay their fourth liners 1.25. I mean, it doesn't sound like a lot of money, but if you do the math, it's over half a million. Well, the extra. minimum is 750 or seven? Seven. 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 seven next year. So that's a lot. Yeah. That's it's like almost double the minimum for a guy who's going to play 10 minutes. Yeah. Like, and I, I'm, a, I'm an Engvall fan, but I can see why they potentially would move him. And again, it's about changing the mix and getting some, some a little bit more probably physicality and a little bit more strong defensive play into the bottom six and, and to put guys there that can move up and they really got to find, we've talked about this in the past, but they got to find wingers that can play in, in the top six. Okay. So we, we are going to talk about that because I wrote about some I don't of the, know what we're talking the 10. About. Yeah. That's because I'm in charge. Uh, I wrote about like 10 guys that I think that they should go after in free agency. But first I want to talk about the goaltending. You wrote about uh, Robin Leonard, Frederick Anderson, 
you and I, I'm pretty sure I know me and I'm pretty sure I'm recalling you both wrote like right after the season that it was, it's time like to start looking at something else. You can't yeah, keep been running this back bandwagon all year. You were actually ahead of it <laughs> during the pause, but I think I, right after, right as I saw that se- that series going along, it was very clear like this guy is what he is. And I'm not sure he's going to be the guy who can kind of take you deep into the playoffs. I guess the first place I want to start is what does someone like Frederick Anderson, one more year, five million, not very much in salary and actual money. One million. One million. But coming off like a bad year, what does that guy get you in trade? Like I can't imagine you're getting much more than like a other teams, draft pick. Other two, Well, it's interesting that, that – St. Louis got a third round pick for Jake Allen, who makes four point three million and does not have a lower salary. So, that and is tra- a backup. That trade la- yesterday was like, wow, that's all. Like, I can't. I thought that St. Louis was going to have to retain salary on Allen. I thought maybe they're going to have to buy him out. But he had such a good year that I don't think that was a great trade by Montreal because there's so many goalies available. No, it's and bizarre. <clears throat> a backup that makes four point three and you give up a. Oh, so you're paying your two goalies like 14 million, 15 million? But I will say this other teams like Anderson, like other teams look at him as like giving some stability to a team. Like you got to think if you're at the Leafs have been fortunate and they haven't had like a starting goalie who's a basket case. Like if you like, there are a lot of teams around the league that have really struggled with goaltending for years. Well, just think of them Calgary. Yeah, like I think like, Calgary, like Calgary really wanted Anderson four years ago when the Leafs got him and their, their offering was just a little bit less and they were in the West and Anaheim didn't want to trade him. Like, I wonder if Calgary's like, let's trade Riddich or whatever, or make him the backup. And like, I think there are going to be teams that like Anderson. Now, are you going to get like a crazy good asset? I, I was talking, one team said they think that the Anderson will go for, uh, cap space and a useful but cheap asset, if that makes sense. So like a third liner who makes maybe yeah, um, that would probably be ideal. Someone that can play on but your see, team. See, that's the interesting part about the the idea of trading Anderson is what you have is like there is some there's some upside in in what you have. Like granted, the playoff stuff has not been good. There's no getting around that. But like it is comforting for a team to know that you can just start this guy 50, 60 times, and he's just going to be pretty good. Like, this year wasn't great, but he's probably going to be 915, 917, probably six or seven teams around the league that would love to have what Anderson has given Look the Leafs Carolina, the last right? four years. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that Elliot Friedman reported that Carolina's interested in Anderson. It's just like when you don't have that guy, it's like you're chasing it. And that's one of the things I think the Leafs have to be careful of, and you brought this up in your piece is you can trade him and then if you don't get the right guy you're just going to be you could potentially find yourself in a situation like all those other teams where you have two guys you, you don't really love either one and you're just kind of uncertain what you're going to get you don't know who's going to be your starter in the playoffs like that's and that's where someone like Leonard comes in right because he is not that he you can count on that guy being your 50 starts 60 starts good yeah i mean the <laughs> I'm reluctant to say that just because can you count on any goalie? Like there's so many goalies that have three good years. And like, look at the goalies on my list that are are like now like bargain bin gambles. It's like Matt Murray, Braden Holtby. I think Corey Crawford going through this exercise actually gave me a new respect for Corey Crawford because he's 35. I believe he's going to be 36 in December and he's still good. Mm Mm-hmm. And the five I, on five save numbers are great. His like advanced stats, goaltending wise, are really good. They're better than Anderson. Like yeah. Corey Crawford well, came up near the top of the NHL. Right. 
which I was like, oh, that's interesting. And I, like, he wants to stay in Chicago, and they don't have a starter right now, and like, they'll probably figure something out. Um, but just going through this exercise, I had twelve different options for the Leafs. One of them is including Anderson coming back, uh, and going through all the. It's just you got to be careful committing to a goalie. Well, because like the, I saw your list. The only guy you can definitively, and not even like definitively, you can say like we're getting a better goalie is Leonard. And everything else is kind of like, maybe. I think is probably better is Darcy Kemper in Arizona. He's had two really good years the last couple years. He was, wasn't he like a Vezina finalist two years ago? Or a close? Uh, like he had like a he 9 definitely would be percentage, close. something like that. Among the 12 goalies on my list, he was the top in terms of, you know, some of the advantages. And Anderson was kind of in the middle. You know, some of the other ones I had ahead of Anderson were, just statistically, Kemper, Crawford, Kudobin, Laner, Georgiev were the ones that, that... Okay, and so I can pick apart. Georgie's been a backup. Well, Kudobin's he's only, he's only played like, 77 games. Right, and Kudobin's been like a part-time starter forever. What's interesting about Kudobin's career is he's like a really late bloomer. Like, you look at his early years, they're not very good. And then these last few years, he's been like a two... like a He number had some two. years as a backup in like Boston and stuff and in the AHL. That's with, recent. That were, that were really good. And Well, some of the European guys play overseas and don't get like discovered. Like, was yeah. Kudobin even he, drafted? I don't know, but he's been here a while. He's been like in the NHL longer than you think. He was in Minnesota. He's a guy that I've always thought should get a chance as a number one that just has never happened. Like... He's he's been one of those, and and he's never made big money. And the appeal with someone like Kudobin is that he would be a tandem goalie with with Campbell, and he's going to cost less than. Although with what he's doing in the playoffs this year, I mean, maybe he won't cost less. Yeah, well, he probably will cost less, but it might not be enough less that it like is that appealing. Appealing. You brought up his stats here. Like I remember when he was in Minnesota. Like look, he he had like well, he didn't play much for Minnesota. But look at his numbers. I remember in this year, like so Boston. He's twenty six. He has the nine twenty save percentage. He only played 14 games, but I think his numbers in the minors were really good. And that's when Carolina's like, oh, let's give this guy a shot. One good year, one poor year. He's bounced around a lot. Like, but Well, and so that's the thing. Like, So if he costs you three and a half, and he is, how old is he, 34? He's old. old. So he's 34. Like, you're you're gambling a little bit. And that's something, like, I, we, you and I have been, like, trading messages but about but, this. But you're gambling if you keep Anderson, too. Yes, yes. 100%. I think you, like, this is what I think with Anderson. You know what he is. He is going to give you that again. Yeah. He's going to be league average starter, maybe a little bit better. He's going to be a little bit inconsistent during the season. And in the playoffs, he's going to scare you. You're not going to be 100% confident. And I think that that confidence has been shaken with Anderson to the point that they're looking at very seriously at this. And Chris Johnston at, at Sportsnet reported that Anderson himself doesn't really seem to his camp doesn't think he's going to be back so that's and i think if you introduce this into the toronto market this idea that a guy's going to be like can you imagine him coming back now like he's going to be asked about it over and over and over and over again i don't know how healthy it would be to to bring him back it's just the question of like who are you replacing him with so one of the names that's that's been out them one of the names that's been out there is is matt murray who's who's had who was, I think, pretty good last year. We talked about this before. And this year, struggled. Obviously, has the two cups. Needs a new contract. One thing I, I worry about a little bit with Kyle Dubas that we've seen, he has a tendency to go with people he knows. And that can be a good thing. But I think it also can be a drawback just to rely on figures that have been in your orbit before that you're comfortable with. 
And I think there is risk in Murray that way. I think he knows. I think he knows that's a criticism that's out there, though. And it's I a think, fair criticism, isn't it? Like, yeah. Well, Dubis, remember Dubis gave that talk at Sloan. What year was that? That was 2015. I think it was 2015, yeah. 2015, he gave, I was there, and he gave his talk, and a lot of it was about cognitive biases, and it was all about. He shouted and, you out. Did he? One of your tweets. I don't know. That's funny. Um, that's, I was at Sloan. I was on the hockey panel, and then there was like this little side room. They have it at MIT. At the, they have it at the Boston Convention Center, and MIT runs the whole thing. It's amazing. I recommend that. It's expensive, but I recommend people go if you're into analytics and stuff like that because I saw uh, Kirk, what's his name? The Goldsbury. NBA, Goldsbury present on the NBA stuff. He's like awesome. What ended up in his book, Sprawl Ball. He presented on that five years ago, and being seeing that person, I was like, holy shit. Like, I was like, the NBA is way ahead of what we're doing on oh, yeah. hockey. Anyway, so Dubas presented uh, in like a little side room down the hall, and uh, it was really, it was like almost like a, it reminded me of like a psychology lecture I had had in, in undergrad, um, but it was about bias, and one of the biases can be, I don't, I, I, the name of it's not coming to me, it's not recency bias, but it's like people in your orbit bias almost, like people that, that you know that, that you're biased towards because you, you have a strong sense of who they are and you like them as a person. And I don't know how serious they are about Matt Murray. The one name that's not on my list that I would like to throw out as just to be an agent of chaos is, is Markstrom in Vancouver. And that it sounds like those talks are like not, when I wrote this piece, I was thinking that Markstrom for sure was going to go back to Vancouver, but it doesn't sound like that that's a guarantee. And I wonder if he's available if, and, and if he's not too expensive I wonder if he could potentially be an option. Doesn't he want like what? Couldn't they not agree on like six million or something on a long term deal? But I don't think Vancouver wants to pay that. I mean, there's some there's some debate over this. Apparently, the latest offer to Markstrom from Vancouver was short term and like more like for something. That's what I heard. Okay, so then another question is: He actually an upgrade from Anderson? He's basically the same age. I think he's nine eighteen save percentage the year before nine twelve nine twelve nine ten. I'm not saying this is like I'm not a a Markstrom believer. I'm not super super high on him. I just could see him being an option for the Leafs if that makes sense. I'm I'm not saying that's what they should do. I'm just saying that he might be he might be one of the number one goalie options that I didn't have in my piece. Yeah. Well, I think you didn't have him in your piece probably because he you would think he's going to stay in Vancouver and he's going to be yeah, expensive. I, I thought he was, but you know Demko comes in and plays that amazing game. The, the thing that everyone has to keep in mind, I, I had some people in the comments on my piece saying, why is Arizona going to make Kemper available? Why is Yeah, I was going to send gonna... you that. Why wouldn't... I thought it would be Ranta who would be available, not Kemper. But I guess it's one or the other. Like you're not going to pay nine million for two goalies. So like I had fans like saying, why would any of these teams trade these goalies? The expansion draft. People yeah. are going to trade goalies because of the expansion draft. If you're a team that has two relatively established goalies that could both potentially be number ones, it does not make sense to hang on to them. It just doesn't. The Rangers are probably well. I don't know if Georgiev would be eligible for the expansion draft or not. Probably. I guess he probably would. But like there's going to be good goalies available in the expansion draft. And if you're Arizona and Arizona is apparently thinking about rebuilding, if they don't get to keep Taylor Hall, which oh I God. don't think they're going to be able to. What a disaster. There's going to be a lot of teams, Jonas, that are going to have a serious financial issues next year. Like the, the Penguins are talking about, they're not going to be a cap team. Like it's, it's pretty remarkable that 
I, I think financially that you could see some teams really pull back in what they spend, which is good for the Leafs. Well, there's opportunity, right? There, yeah. I mean, if normally in the NHL you get like 20 of the 31 teams spend to the cap, I think it could probably be more like 15 this year. All right, let's take a quick break, and then we'll be back to talk about UFA targets potentially, and we can discuss one of those guys in more in depth, Robin Leonard. This is the Athletic Football Show. I think every football season is a big challenge in one way or another. Introducing the Athletic Football Show, an all-new podcast with me, Robert Mays, and a team of world-class NFL writers and analysts. We'll feature expert guests and our plugged-in beat writers from around the league. What Patrick Mahomes did in the last nine minutes is just absurd. You can subscribe now to the Athletic Football Show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the podcast provider of your choice. And stay with us all season long as the Athletic brings you what matters most in today's NFL. All right, so we touched on him a little bit. Um, what would you be willing to pay Robin Leonard on a long-term deal? I think something in the ballpark of what Anderson makes. So yeah. like five by four or something? Yeah, like four years at five million, I would be fine with. And if and if the bidding for Laner, like it sounds like to me, Vegas really wants to keep him, and that's why they acquired him. And but what's the but there? Mark I think Mark Andre Fleury signed for like three more years, at like two, seven. Two more years at seven. Yeah. Well, I think who's taking that? I think you maybe you got to retain some of it, or make you maybe you make some sort of creative trade, or it's definitely. I know it's that doesn't mean that Vegas doesn't want to keep Liner though. No, it just means like good luck. And if Montreal's paying their goalies fifteen million, can't Vegas pay their goalies twelve? You could. You can do anything you want. Is that smart? There's going to be offers for Liner. There's going to be teams that are interested in him. If I'm the Leafs, I'm interested, but I'm not interested at. I, I'm not going to put everything into that basket and that, that's why like i think that the decision to trade anderson they can be kicking tires on it and everything right now but they need another goalie they need yes. to know like and you can't really do one without knowing what the no i pay. think i would go into free agency and try and sign the guy i want whether it's laner or markstrom or crawford or whatever or make a trade and then i like look at moving anderson after that and that the puts you part in, is then that puts you in a harder position leverage puts you in a harder position but i like it's the same thing as when you're you're buying and selling a house. It's like, do you want to go buy the house you want before you've sold your house? And that puts you in a tough position because then you, either way, it's it's difficult. The thing that I have undervalued is, and I sent this to you because it just came up when we were talking about it, is you're kind of betting your job a little bit if you're Kyle Dubas on like one of these guys. He's betting his job on whatever he decides. Yeah. Like, this this is such a going to be such an important year for the front office to to rebound from what happened this year. You know, it's if they stay with Anderson and he flops, then they bet on that. And they're betting a lot on Campbell. Like they seem to think Campbell can play thirty plus games. They're betting a lot on on trying to get who they want in free agency or in trade. All right. Well, so nice segue. I appreciate that. Um, I looked at free agency and like went through as many candidates as. I possibly could. Number one, free agency is not that fun. Like the names that are out there are well, just not that great. I laughed at the comments on your piece because people were like, oh, like they were complaining or whatever. It's like, it's not your fault that free agency isn't that good. People were like, why would the Leafs want these bums and whatever? It's like, no well, who are they supposed to get? <laughs> they can't go sign Seth Jones. Like he's not available. Yeah, like people really... were like, people were like angry at you and like voting your piece down and whatever. And I was like, well, like n- name 
sometimes fans are just so emotional and like they're frustrated with the Leafs roster and like they they like want that magic bullet. They want like Victor Hedman to be at the top of your list. It's like he doesn't exist. I mean, there's Petrangelo. I mean, that's we we can talk more about but Petrangelo if you want, but like there's the fact that even he's potentially available and, and there are some good goalies available and like, there's a couple interesting pieces in free agency, but there's not a lot like other than Taylor Hall, like what's, who's an interesting forward and did, did Donov Matthias Hoffman Hoffman, like those guys are all fine. They're just, they're good players. I, it just, it's just very funny. Like compared to like NBA free agency, we're like the best players in the league. And obviously it's contract lengths. Um, but I so wonder if that'll happen more often in the NHL, like with like the how high escrow is and all the financial uncertainty. You could see guys like Hall and probably not Petrangelo, but you could see some of these guys take like a two-year deal and they'll be right back into free agency again in two years. It's risky though, right? Some agents are advising it though because like the cap is so flat right now, escrow is so high. Do you want to take your big money years in free agency right now? The, the risk is you get hurt or you have a bad year or whatever. But if you bet on yourself, it could pay off big time in your next contract. But then, like, you don't know that the cap's going to be any higher two years from now. It'll probably be a little bit higher. Like, the way the way they structured the agreement, it, it's, it looks like as soon as there are fans in the building, it will slowly go up. To what? It'll slowly go up. Like I mean, 83, 85? Yeah. Over time. No, it's not going to skyrocket. Yeah, so ever. like your, your chances of no. getting... You're not like how much better a deal you're getting in two years. Year CBA, it's never going to skyrocket in the CBA. And if there aren't fans in the building next year, it's probably never going to go up that much. But what will happen is escrow is going down. That's guaranteed. Like It's going to go from 20% down to 6% over time. So if you're a free agent, you're like, do I want to sign my big ticket right now for that money? Okay, well, so let's talk about Petrangelo. Obviously, there is a chance that he just stays in St. Louis. Most players stay. Like, most players of his caliber stay. Like, Tavares is the exception. I think he wants to be there. Yeah. That one's weird that it's still going, to be honest. Well, they've done some things to ensure against it, which I would say are not smart. Well, the Falk contract looks terrible. Disaster. They gave up a lot for him, and then they gave him tons of money, and I don't really understand. I think they gave up a lot for him, if I remember that trade accurately. Well, they gave him a seven-year deal, six-and-a-half ticket. And then he played on their third pair. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, Doug Armstrong's done some interesting things. Doug done Armstrong's some really a, good things. He's a good GM. Yeah, done some really good you things. You know what? Even the best that. GMs make mistakes. And I think that the Falk thing was... I think what they were trying to do is give themselves more leverage against Petrangelo, where like it seemed like his camp had all the leverage. We're like, what are you going to do? you got no defense. Like You have to sign us. Yeah, but then like you actually ruin your leverage because now Petrangelo's like, you're giving six and a half to this dude. Yeah. I'm That's like... What That's what I had in my piece. That's what I had in my piece, right? It's like... It's, so St. Louis is offering somewhere around eight. Someone today told me eight point two five by eight years. Like that's a pretty, that's pretty fair. I think they look at Dowdy and Carlson getting eleven, and uh, Yossi got nine. Yossi got nine point oh six or whatever, and like, um, Petrangelo can argue that he's in that class of defensemen. I think he can argue that he's he's in Yossi's yeah. territory. Like everything is pretty similar. Yeah, age is similar. Um, well, in the tax. Situation in Nashville is much more favorable than than St. Louis, mm. as far as I know the Missouri tax <laughs> code. Um, so like St. Louis is trying to guard against paying Petrangelo more than they want to, but then they give Falk way too much money, and it just it ends up being it's it's like the what's that expression? It's like they're outsmarting themselves, but like you know 
they, 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 you're like trying to play checkers instead of chess and then you end up or chess instead of check anyway i'm i'm well so let me let me draw you back in to the leaves if you're the leaf says and you wrote about this people can go check that out at the athletic is it worth clearing the decks you'd have to clear a lot of space to try and sign him now Petrangelo is everything they need the only like red flag is his age and the downside of clearing your roster he's 31 in december right uh in january i believe he's everything you need except for the age and the cost and what it's going to do your roster like he is first pair every situation will help you win a cup will help balance like everything that they've been looking for it you thought about it in writing it do you think it's worth it given the effects it has on the rest of your roster Honestly, I think you have to be willing to trade Nealander or Marner to make it really make sense. And then, like, getting other wingers to fill. It's hard. Like, this is what the cap makes you do is it makes you... And this is the problem with, you know, you pay guys and it's like it's like a million and a half or two million too much. And then it makes it really difficult. So, because, like, so the piece that I wrote, I believe it was on our site on Wednesday morning, uh, was just looking at, could you sign Petrangelo without trading any of your big forwards and the answer is that you can but you really have to gut all your depth you really have to you like, become even more top heavy than you are you now. become like it collapsing was collapsing over the front of yourself it was something so like 74 percent of their salary was in seven players so like you can win in the nba with like salary structure like that i don't no one's done it in the nhl it would be like it would be like Dubas doubling down on giving fewer players more money, kind of thing. If you give Petrangelo, I had him at eight and a half. Well, and and you had uh, I think the goalie, this hypothetical goalie, was like three point two, and your fourth line is just like yeah, cheap guys in free agency. Yeah, and you you lose and and your third line gets weaker. Someone like Barabanov would have to have to potentially play in the third line, and we have no idea what Barabanov is. Like I don't know if. I don't know if Barabanov is the next Miro Altonen, or I don't know if he's a Mikheyev. Like, I, it's hard to say. Some people really seem to like him, but he, it's not like he has huge offensive numbers. No. I kind well, of think he's so, a fourth-line guy. In that scenario that you had, you trade Anderson, you trade Janssen. Engvall. Engvall. And I kept Kerfoot, I think. But then your, yeah. But then your defense is Riley Petrangelo, Muzzin Petrangelo, whatever you want. Muzzin Hall... Dermot. I guess maybe you could Sandine. move Hall and free up a little bit more because if you get Petrangelo, he's going to play 30 minutes on your right side and maybe... Yeah. Like, they're going to have to be looking at, like, is this guy making 1.8 too much? Or, like, I would not want to be Dermot or Mikheyev going into those free agent negotiations because they got no money to give those guys. Here's what I would, where I think I am on this. If I was confident that for the next three or four years, Petrangelo is going to remain... Maybe I, not, like... Exactly where he's been, but he, pretty close. He'll be good. He'll be good. What, what was the age? We didn't get the age. He's going to be 31 in January. So, like, that's pretty old. So, that's the thing. I was surprised when I wrote, because I wrote about Petrangelo during the season, and Dom did, like, some age projections, how good he thought he was going to be for a, a long time. Well, so the guy I've been Charles thinking of. Charles 43, man. And, well, yes, and the guy I've been thinking of, they're not the same player at all, but, like, Weber's still good. And Weber's, like, I think Weber's either 36 or thirty, going to be 37. Yeah. Like, maybe there's a chance that for five years, he's still going to be pretty damn good. And the problem, like, or the benefit of that is, 
you only have Austin Matthews and William Neal under a contract for four more years. Yeah. Like, so if he's he, if if he's just pretty good to really good for the next four years, and you can win a cup, I think you really have to think about it. Even if like the depth of your roster is is sunk, because you can always do stuff. Like you can always trade stuff, retain salary. Like it would if it would be cap, hard if the cap went up a little bit more. It would make it would be a lot easier. Yeah. Or if he didn't pay. Like a lot of their RFA contracts, like even if you look at like some of the depth guys, like it, like it, in the end, it seems like fans get mad when I say this, but it seems like they paid Kerfoot probably too much. They probably paid Janssen too much. They probably paid Kapanen too much. They probably paid Engvall too much. They probably paid, you can go down the list. Like it's, but they were operating in an environment where they thought the cap was going to keep going up three or $4 million a year. They were trying to sign these guys ahead of time so that they would potentially be uh, undervalued. Yeah. And not necessarily in the first year of the deal. But like in like towards the back end of the deal and trying to buy some UFA years and things like that. And it it with the way that everything's gone with the virus and everything, it seems like it backfired in them a little bit where they've got a bunch of guys that are not underpaid anymore. And they need those little scraps of extra money if they want to sign a big player like this. You know what I would do, Jonas, if they do decide to do it is you just give it one year. And if you're like, we're too top heavy, then you move one of the wingers next summer. Yeah. That's that's what you would do. Yeah. Because it would be really, really easy to trade Neander or Marner. Or... Those are really only two because Tavares has the no move and Matthews is Matthews. I would look at it. The question, like a, a big question is, does he? would he even want to come to Toronto? He's from here. Um, but we've seen generally guys don't want to come here. I think a bigger question is like, does his American wife, who's I believe from St. Louis, want to come here? Yeah. I don't think the Marlowe family liked it here that much. It sounds like part of like why he asked out was that it just wasn't like, you know, four kids and they're from California. Like, yeah. And like through a Toronto winter and everything. And I believe his wife's from California. Like that's a big adjustment. Yeah. And a lot of, I gotta be careful how I phrase this. It seems that a lot of the American players, the families don't want to move to Canada. Like it's, it's a culture shock. Which I, I mean, you and I think things are going great in the states. <laughs> you and I think that's misguided, but you know, it's like it's like what it's you, fair. It's what you it's know totally and fair. what it's you're what comfortable you know, with for sure. It was culture shock for me moving from small town Western Canada to Toronto. I mean, I'm I've been here 17 years and it's still an adjustment, and I still think, oh, it would be nice to go back. Well, and and let's be honest, like you're Petrangelo, you've played your career in St. Louis. Jeremy Rutherford's like the only reporter, and like maybe a couple others. You're just like playing kind of in obscurity. Like it's not bad. There's the pressure. Is lower. The players love St. Louis. I know some of the alumni guys there, and like the alumni association strong. There's a lot of guys that have retired there. Good team. Like I don't know the city very well. Like, but apparently there's like really nice suburbs and stuff like that that they like to live in. And like here, you're coming to like tons of scrutiny. Like I wonder, like if you gave John Tavares like truth serum and said like, would you do it the same again? I think he would. But I like. I'm sure he would think. I don't about think it. the scrutiny is bothering Tavares. If, no, if anything, like, I think the fan support has like he's liked it. But it's different, right? It's something to adjust to. I, I think, think for the sure. pro- and something like lots of guys don't want. The problem for Tavares is going to be the weight of that contract with the team having so many cap issues and like like the well, what they're going to the want. Decline is is sharp, which it might be. What they're going to want from him is going to be 
he's going to have to be one of the best players in the NHL on that contract every year, especially with the flat cap. Like he didn't know the cap was going to be flat. Like you sign that 11 million, you think, well, the cap will keep going up and that 11 million will look better every year. And- but even now, like when they cut, like the, for this year, he produced at like a 30 something goal, 75, 70 something point pace. It's not it's not good enough for yeah. someone who has an eleven million dollar cap it. Well, like that's many, a really good year for most players. How much production did he have in the playoffs? I mean, there were some playoff games I thought he looked really good, and there were other ones he, he didn't have in eleven playoffs. No, he didn't. Like that, they. Sheldon Keith. Do you think said, that's a speed thing, or do you think that's? I think speed is like going because to be it's a never going to be effort with Tavares. No, never. Like he like he's literally puts you can he puts like that's why he's got that goofy backpack all the time. He's like he's he's literally doing he's everything all in. He's all in. He's he's literally doing everything he possibly can mm-hmm. to get out of his body and I've told you, I think he's gonna be a winger at some point. Yeah. Um but so some some other interesting names that made my list, my sparkling list. TJ Brody was number one, just because fit wise he makes sense. The only problems I have with TJ Brody is a, obviously, you don't know how much he's going to cost. His health, age is health. health, age, and decline. But for what they need him for, to be what he'd be a second pair guy, basically, I think it's okay. I don't think it's like the sexiest thing. I think it's fine. The fact that he's one of the best options in free agency is why I think trade is going to be where they find their defenseman. Yeah. Well, we'll get into that in a sec because I've been going through the teams and there's, there's more candidates in trade. Chris Tanev feels too risky to me. Like, this is like the fourth time in his career he's played 60 I kind of think games. these guys like Hamannick, Brody, Tanev are going to be kind of like the second options if they can't find the trade they want to make. Yeah. I bet you they'd use that. If I had to guess, if we're using... Sorry, I'm getting this off topic here a little bit. But it's okay. If I had to guess what they try and do, it's like you take that first round pick you got in the Kapanen deal and package it with like... just I'm just guessing. Package it with Dermot and like a prospect or something and like try and deal with a rebuilding team and get a defenseman that you think is better than one of those guys in free agency. Mm-hmm. Now, what you like about free agency is you don't have to give up anything. Yes. That's attractive. That's that's what's great about Brody and Well, Tanev. and if, if someone but like you Tanev... Might, you might have to pay them more than you want. Well, so that's the question. Like, if someone like Tanev looks around and teams are like, we don't have money to, to pay you. Also, we don't really trust that you're going to stay healthy. A team like Toronto could just be like, okay, we'll give you, we'll give you two for a year. He's going to get more now. Okay, so then thanks. He's, he's, yeah, but if you, you can't say thanks to everybody because you need somebody. It's the same with the goalie thing, right? You, like you but still, you also can't just give, you can't just throw money at a guy just because. Do you think there's any chance they come back with the defenseman they've got right now? Yeah. As you uh, have, I think, pointed out in like one of your cap friendly projections, they could do that right now. Like they don't have to sign anybody. They could just come back and they'd have like Riley Dermott, Muzzin Hall, Sandine Lettinen done. That's your defense. And then you could look in season for a team that's struggling yeah. and try to like pounce. Like that's not impossible. It just feels like given the pressure that's on Kyle Dubas, that's a big risk. I guess they could do that and you go into the season with 2 million cap space. And when you get to the deadline, you're going to have that 2 million grows over the course of the season. It could be 7 million. And then you can bring in like a really big name defenseman, mm-hmm. you know, mid season. Yeah. Which theory. is what they did with Jake Muzzin. With Muzzin, yeah. Um, that, so that's possible. I, I guess that's what you have to do if you can't find the trade or the free agent that you like. Maybe you go into free agency with a bunch of these guys like Brody and that, and you offer you have a, a price contract. and you say like yeah. this is our price, and if you don't like short it, short term, 
don't like it, you can get the fuck out. <laughs> Did you ever watch Delirious? No. Oh. Is it a movie? It's Eddie Murphy, 1983 oh, stand-up. Okay. It's unbelievable. I have seen some of that, yeah. It's the best. Um, so a couple other names I wanted to bring up that were interesting to me. Jesper Faust is the kind of guy you were talking about before, a winger who can play in your top six. He spent most good of this year. Good defensively. Good defensively. He spent most of this year with Panarin. Yeah. Uh, really good defensively. And like if you were replacing Kapanen with someone like that, you're not... And maybe like, you we only... focus all the time on the defense, but if you get a better defensive forward, you're going to be better defensively, right. theoretically. Right. And maybe you only have to pay him $2 million instead of 3.2 or yes. 3.4 for And Johnson. so suddenly like you've upgraded your winger, but you're paying less. I think that's like someone like Rodriguez too. Like if they... If they can somehow get him in at one million or something like that, like they might want to get a bunch of these guys that they feel like have played with good players in the past and and looked pretty good. It's almost it's the Pittsburgh model that where they need they need at least like one of the wingers with Matthews and Tavares to make two million or less. Yeah, yeah. Well, so a couple other names, and then we'll briefly touch on some trade guys. Corey Perry, if he's willing to play for really cheap. I like the idea of, I, I think we should do a whole podcast on this, but the idea of adding a different type of personality and player to your team. And he's obviously at the end of his career, but like, I think he can bring that Joe Thornton. You would be gambling that he has enough left to be on your third line. But I think Is that if, fourth line, right? I don't know. He played third line this year. On, Again, on like one of the worst teams one of the in the worst NHL. Team. Yeah, but like the, the year before that, like his numbers are pretty good and like he's playing a lot. He'd play under power I'm pretty power sure play. Joe Thornton's older than I am. So that's, he's 41. That's, that's a bad sign. 41, yeah. If you're older than me, you're almost You're really gambling. You're done. You're gambling. <laughs> but like maybe he comes cheap. The, the problem again, I think with some of these guys is going to be the flexibility factor where the Leafs really need to have some of these guys that like if they're not able to carry any extra forwards those guys aren't going to yo-yo down to the minors and back. Like, I think that, that probably, that's probably why Spets has not re-signed yet too, is that they, they can only have, they can't have like three of those guys that can't go to the minors. They're going to need some guys that can bounce around a little bit. Well, and as we've talked about, you need guys who can play center and wing. Like you need guys who can slide around. Obviously there are, is a real question of whether Joe Thornton can be a third line center at 41. Probably not. Um, Okay, so let's let's briefly talk about some of the guys that I've come up with in scouring the league. Give me like your five most intriguing options that you see in in trades that you think this is the key that you think the other team might be willing to trade. That's a very important underlooked part of this. Well, there's lots of right defensemen. But that's there. what what happens to like Seth Jones, but like why would Columbus trade Seth Jones? No reason. So, here's a good name. Jonas Brodin. So Jonas Brodin is a left shot plays the right statistically is like off the charts defensively like unbelievable yep you could put him with riley you could put him with muzzin was he got two years left on his he deal? has one year left for i think it's like f- i think it's five i'd have to double check i think um, he's like four six or something like that maybe that's what i think that's right sorry that's right he would be a good one term or one year solution. I think he's someone you could potentially sign longer. Well, you got it. Like if you're trading something for a guy like that, you got to resign him. Like yeah, I, and I think, I think you start talking extension right away. And I think that makes sense. He is 27. Oh, he's 4.16. Yeah, so it's like a really That's good a, number. Yeah, for what he is, and I think like long term, he's 27. He just turned 27, so he's young. Yeah, so maybe he is like a longer term replacement for Morgan Riley. 
I don't have a good sense of what we should. We could have Russo on to explain. I don't have a good sense of what Minnesota is going to try and do. Like it's well, not so like they have a young defenseman coming that they're like, this is the answer for us. No, but they have Suter obviously locked up forever. Spurgeon, they, they love. Spurgeon, they locked up forever. Dumba is still signed another three years, and this guy's a year from UFA, and they need help up front. Like they need, they like Russo's written about it. They need a center. And so maybe they would bring in a defenseman. You know, on like a smaller contract or something. Yes. And, well, and trade Brodine to try to get some forward help. Now, they need a center. And, I mean, they can talk themselves into Alex Kerfoot if they want. I'm not sure that that's it. But I think he makes a lot of sense for what he is, how versatile he is, how good he is. Um, so Brody, he's one. Yeah. yeah. So he's one name. How does he strike you? The question is just fit on the other side is what I wonder about. Like Minnesota's got a lot of older guys. They got a new GM. I just wonder what they're going to try and do. That's a hard one. Like I often like to think about some of these teams. Like Bill Zito just got hired as the GM in Florida. And I was like thinking like, how would you fix Florida? I'm, I'm doing a mailbag. I don't know if you saw on the site. I put out a call. I was going to ask a question. Oh yeah, go ahead. There's like 250 of them already. I so I don't know how I'm going to deal with that. But we put out to all of our hockey subscribers, and you can go ask a question. I'm not, I'm not going to be able to answer them all. There's like, there's too many. But some of the questions are like Sharks fans. And they're like, how would you fix the Sharks? And I'm like, oh my god! Like, look at all those. I came up to that team in my look at like look, look at their cap situation. What do they got? Like six guys who are thirty plus. When Burns huge... is thirty five and has five more years at they eight million. Of, look at Vlasic has. I think six more years at seven million. He's thirty three. Doesn't he make eight? Like all these guys are like washed and like I'm not saying Burns isn't washed. He's still a a good player, but let's and Carlson even like didn't look very good last year at eleven million. Oh yeah, forgot Carlson. I gotta add him. There's what about Martin Jones makes I think six, and I think he has three years left. So I gotta answer. That's gonna be one of my mailbag questions. How do you fix the Sharks? And it's like holy cow. I think. One of the good things for the Leafs is that they don't have all this like bad money to these older guys. Okay, let me give you another name. Uh, I mentioned him before, Colton Pareko. Two more years left on his contract, five and a half million per. Defensively, exactly what you want. Right shot, big, perfect compliment. I love, Muzzer, I love Riley. Pareko. But the question is, is what you just talked about. Why would St. Louis trade? Well, him? you know why they would trade him is if they get Petrangelo resigned, they're not going to be able to trade Falk. They're all right D. Yeah. They're going to need cap space. Yep. Tarasenko's hurt again. He's, I think it's his third shoulder surgery. But the, the counter to that is you're not going to just trade Pareko for cap space. No. They're going to want... That's what I'm saying. They're going to want Neilander. They're, they want a forward. Yeah. So like even even if it's not Neilander, you you're, you go to them and you're like, here, we'll give you the first round pick. We'll give you Dermott. We'll give you Janssen. They're going to be like, thanks. I don't See think ya. so. They're trying to win the cup. Like if right. they get Petrangelo back... And the thing, too, you got to think about, too, is if they're trading Pareko, they're auctioning him around the league to, like, the highest bidder, right? Mm-hmm. Like, is the highest bidder going to be a first in Dermot and whatever? Probably no, not. No. Like, some team's going to give them a really good offensive player. So, and it's hard for the Leafs to look at, like, what they've got and... Okay, so let's go to the next name. Uh... Do you trade Robertson? For that defenseman? Sure. Like, the, I don't know, like... I don't know. St. Louis is going to want like a ready. It, it they would don't have want to be Nylander. And I don't know if they want him or not. Yeah. Or Marner. But they can't afford him. Um, I don't think Marner's getting traded. Well, based on Kyle Dubas's 
vociferous defense. How about Dougie Hamilton? So Dougie Hamilton, the reasons that Carolina would trade him is they've locked up a lot of defensemen for a while. Uh, Slavin, Pesci, Gardner, uh, and Brady Shea are all locked up for the foreseeable future. Um, Dougie Hamilton's a year from unrestricted free agency where he is going to get paid. He is, I believe, 27. Is he 27? I don't have that in front of me. I'm just looking at Carolina's cap situation. I believe he's 27. He's from here. He is the the but superhero of analytics. Jonas, he likes museums. Yeah, he's too weird. That's a plus. I think Kyle Dubas will like that. That he's a bit weird. We don't think he's weird. Other teams think he's okay. Weird. His 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 weird hockey teammates think he's. The weird. The thing is, a you'd have to figure out what you can give Carolina to make them want to trade him, and then b like you have to decide if you're going to pay him because if you're trading for him, like you mentioned before, he's going to cost you seven and a half, eight. On a long-term deal. Well, Carolina's got got Edmondson, Vatanen, and Van Riemsdyk, who are all UFA. So it's not like they're... The question is, are they comfortable with Gardner or Hayden Fleury being in their top six, top four? Oh, I, oh, I see. I'm missing Pesci because he was under yeah. injured reserve. And he signed for five more years. My mistake. Delete what I just said, everyone. Um, yeah, so they've got Hamilton, Slavin, Shea... Gardner and Pesci. So they've got a lot of defensemen. The talk was they were looking at trading Gardner last year. Good luck. It's <laughs> tough. Like, obviously, we like Jake Gardner, but he's got three more years at $4 million and did not have a great He was year. on the third pair, yeah. So, And obviously, he's another polarizing player across the league. So there, there would be, I think there is a case. Obviously, they need a goalie. Um Frederick Anderson for Dougie Hamilton is not getting it done. No. But is there more you can attach to make it enticing for Carolina? Maybe. Just keep giving Carolina first-round picks. Sure. <laughs> I mean, if it was Freddie and a first-round pick, I'd... My, my concern with Dougie Hamilton is what you were talking about. He's only got the one year left on his deal. He comes in, you got to get that extension done, and it's going to be... So Dougie Hamilton's not the $5.75 million defenseman. He's an eight. Yeah, he's in the Petrangelo Seven and a half, range. eight. Yeah, and yeah. he's younger than Petrangelo. Yeah. And maybe is good. I don't mind that potential trade target. It's hard because we're guessing what the trade would look like. Mm-hmm. That's what we have to do. What's Carolina's cap situation like? Well, the thing with Carolina is like their owner, like, is he for next year, if they're not going to be fans, is he going to be willing to spend as much as he might have? I don't know. Yeah, they're nine million under right now. But yeah, I could see them having a hard time committing to a big Dougie Hamilton contract. Yeah. Especially with the other good D that they've got. I mean, Slavin's got to be their main guy there. Yep. And he's locked up. And he's got a really good contract. Well, so the other guy there is Pesci. Now, some of the underlying numbers for him this year don't look as good as they once did. He has five more years, just over $4 million. I think you could probably trade for him if you wanted to. He has four more years. Are you sure? Yeah. I literally have it in front of me. Huh. I'm counting right now. Okay. So that's a risky one. I like Pesci. I mean, I just, the talk before was that they would, they were, they, they seemed like they wanted too much for him. Carolina's a hard team to trade with because it's a smart front office. They have a lot of good people there. That's, was it, wasn't it you that was saying that in baseball no one wants to trade with the Rays because they're so, I would be wary of trading. When with teams them. are like, trading for your guy you're like why do they want him maybe well, we should keep him what was the Falk trade do you remember off the top of your head I just would be like I would be scared of, of trading with 
Not that I'm saying I wouldn't do it. Here, trade history. Uh, I went down the wrong rabbit hole. Edmondson, Bach, seventh round pick. I guess it depends if Bach is a good prospect or not. Because, I mean... Well, they paid, I think, a first round pick for Brady Shea, who signed long term. Mm-hmm. So that's another like that's one of those guys that they targeted. Obviously, it kind of looks like they just didn't like Falk and wanted to move on from him, which understandable. I, I can understand. Okay, so well, let me give you a few more names. So Adam Larson has been talked about. It makes some sense. I'm not sure. Like he's, I'm not like ecstatic about that one. I think Adam Larson's like if you feel like you need another top four defenseman and he's probably like 15th on your list of 20 guys that you like. And the price is probably not going to be super high. Only one year left on the deal. And he's, he's someone you don't have to commit money or term to, which is nice because then you have flexibility and then like you can see how it goes and then go into the next year. Like if you could trade a, a Janssen or something in a package or something for Larson, then the cap space, and then you could still go into the year with that extra cap space that we talked about maybe a little bit accrue more money and maybe add another defenseman during the year yeah and if it works like he's i think he's only 27 you can he's he's not going to cost you larson's pretty good defensively yep he can move the puck okay he's he's fine okay a couple more i wouldn't trade taylor hall for him i don't know um aaron ekblad and i'm gonna clip you saying it like that another panthers defenseman who is less on the radar is mckenzie Weger. That's more of like a gambling kind of thing. He's a restricted free agent this offseason. He played on their top pair with Ekblad. He's right shot. What about Ekblad, though? Um, we don't know what Bill Zito, like you mentioned, is going to do. We don't know what demands will be on that team to change. Uh, I remember, I think Pierre said, was it Pierre? That could be a team that doesn't spend to the cap. Yeah. yeah, but I think like I, I read somewhere or heard somewhere, maybe it was Elliot. Um, that Joel Quenville worked really hard to like build a relationship with Ekblad. He's won a cup with Duncan Keith. Like he probably sees Ekblad as like his number one defenseman. But is Ekblad seven and a half or eight million? Seven and a half. Yeah. He is twenty four. Yeah, and he's signed for like five or six more years. He hasn't a hundred percent. He's good. I don't know if he hasn't a hundred percent grown into that contract yet. In my opinion, I think he's about worth close to that. Like he's plays a lot of minutes the numbers underlying are, are good i don't know i think he makes a lot of sense because you are buying the stock well, rising and as this opposed isn't just to, us making stuff up too because like there's been it's been rumored that he's potentially available for the piece that i just don't know what florida would want and they have a new gm uh a smart gm from a good organization who's probably not going to be super easy to deal with. I, I don't know what they would want. I can't see them rebuilding with the way that that roster is set up. No. And so what are you offering them that's enticing? They obviously have committed to their goalie. They're um, down a bunch of forwards because Dodon- well, Dodonov and Hoffman and are Hoffman both are UFA like, and both... I don't know if they're going to be back. So, like, is there a world where you'd trade Neander for Ekblad? I'd think about that. That's another one i think about given the age, given the contract. He's locked up. He's exactly what you need. Nylander would look pretty good with Barkov. Yeah. What does the Panthers' D look like if they trade Ekblad? Well, the problem is they've signed a lot of older guys, or they have a lot of older guys on the contract. Yandel. And they've got Strawman there now. Yeah, who's signed for two more years. Like, they've, they've, they've made... Got, Mike Matheson is signed forever. Physics um, UFA. Keith Yandel signed until 2023. Like, they've... 
and so it's Mackenzie Weger they're gonna have to pay to like they're they're gonna have to do something. Mm, I see. It doesn't help when you're paying your eight hundred nine hundred goalie ten million. Yeah, Weger is an RFA. Yeah, it's interesting. So. Yandel's got that no move too. So. And no, you don't want him. So they're interesting. Yeah. So there are interesting options in trade. As you said, there are more interesting options in trade, not surprisingly. Some other names that kind of stuck out to me. Jeff Petrie is like, I think, your favorite player. Uh, Josh Manson has two more years. He had a better year this year. I think that's another okay. I know for sure. That's someone that the Leafs have looked at in the past. Yeah, so that's like in your Larson range, except he's got the extra year, which is appealing. I mentioned David Savard at the trade deadline. You Why saw him Columbus in the playoffs. Why would Columbus trade him? Exactly. Although um, the only thing that with that is that I know Columbus really likes some of their depth defensemen. Like they like Nudivara and they like some of the guys they've got coming. And well, and Gavrikov is already playing big minutes. Yeah, I mean Gavrikov's he's locked in in the top four. But you need. I guess the question is Ryan Murray's health. Like I know they like Ryan Murray. I know they they've got a lot of defensemen there. They've got that Dean Kukin. They've got uh, they've got, they've got some pieces there. So maybe they feel comfortable enough in their depth on defense that they can trade a, a Savard. And he's signed for one more year for around four, I believe. So he'd be like a, a short-term solution. You're not signing him long-term. He's getting up there. Um, but that's that's okay. Nick Jensen is a guy that Washington signed last year, I believe. Again, like I don't think he, I don't think he's exactly what you need. Um, well, why would Washington trade him? Well, Washington's gonna do something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so you try and try and get in the mindset of these other teams, and yeah, that's yeah, definitely did. Given, so anyway, there's given that exercise names. you went through, I can see why the Leafs aren't getting the defenseman they want for Nylander because there aren't a lot of fits. Yep, for that exactly kind it. of a trade around the league. Well, and and you can see why last summer they they settled on Tyson Berry because it's one thing that that really sticks out. A, there's not a lot of righties. B, there's not a lot of righties who fit what you need and and are under contracts that are appealing to you and are good enough for what you need. It's just really hard to find that player. Yeah. So like total, I think I have probably what, 10, 12 guys. And there are varying cases I'm on whether those teams will actually trade those I'm guys. I'm sure the front office is kicking tires on everybody. Yeah. That's probably why I'm hearing from other teams because they're probably calling every other team. and As they should. So No, that's their job. I mean... And I think they're very motivated. The Leafs front office is very motivated to have a better year, obviously. And not just like out of desperation, but to prove that some of their ideas and theories are... are Like like there's a lot of questioning in the market now whether they had everything all wrong. Okay, well, so let's talk about that briefly. We've been going a while, so we should wrap up. Well, you're going to be on vacation for a while, so let's like so let's talk this is like this. a marathon. Because this is something that I've we been always get asked about. to go longer. Right? Like if you, I, I was listening to the Dangle podcast when I was driving around the other day, and like their shows are like an hour and a half. I like longer podcasts. I take them on runs and just listen to the whole thing. I think we should push back to our producer and say we want to do an hour. All right. Well, so let's talk about let's this. Let's just this send is... him in a file that's like three hours long. <laughs> this is something that I've been thinking about a lot lately, watching the playoffs. Obviously, right after the playoffs finished, and maybe even before, we started thinking that this team needed, had gone too far in one direction. They're too slippery and small and not really, like they, they missed the Polacks and the Kadris and the Komarovs. And you see some of those guys are playing in the playoffs and like contributing. 
I wonder if there's going to be an impulse to go too far. That's what I've been thinking about. Like if they look at, we need to go, we need to get some of that. I do think they, they have undervalued that stuff. I think you and I have undervalued that stuff. I think we have looked a little too much at some of the underlying numbers and not realized sometimes that hockey in the playoffs is more than that. And like there are intangibles in the playoffs, especially that you have to factor in. And some of it is like just some of that old school hockey nonsense that it doesn't necessarily have to be size though. Like if you look at, no, like, no, 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 if no. You look at the I'm Bruins, not saying size. No, I, I'm not saying you are. I'm just, I want to have a caveat to what you're saying. I mean, it's like Boston's forwards are not huge. Neither are Tampa's. They, they, the Leafs, what they need is guys that push a little bit harder through some of the nonsense that they face. And not even just in the playoffs. Like when they face teams like that during the regular season, there's not hard enough push sometimes. Like no. they just need, they need a little bit higher give a shit meter. And I've used the word like, and it's like a word you would use in writing more than in daily conversation, but it's like bite. Like someone who's going to, who has some attitude. And you look at some of these, these like Tampa comes to mind. Like you look at some of their third and fourth line guys. Well, I love There's like bite. Like I love the trades they made. I like Coleman has bite. Coleman is great. Uh, Goodrow, Goodrow, yeah. Barkley Goodrow. I really like um, Yanni Gord. Like in the, Yanni Gord's five nine. Like it's, it's not about being a beast that's going to knock everyone on their ass. Like Kyle Clifford did that. I mean, it didn't help them win the series. It's about. You want people that will go through a wall and get their face broken in and get back up and push again and right when they encounter a wall they're just not turning around and walking away they're they're pushing through it and that's what it feels like they need more of the the problem Sheldon is Sheldon Keefe seems to think he can get some more of that out of the team well he's probably thinking of Neander he's probably thinking of Marner I think he's and thinking Matthews. about everybody like yeah but so, I I I also do think that's how you're built to some degree like. That's one of the Neander questions. Like, is that going to change? Or is that just going to always be who Neander is? You know what I think you need is I think even like on individual lines, you need some contributors who offer different elements. And like th- th- there's, yeah. this is going to be a really dumb analogy, but I'm going to make it anyway. The the NHL 20 video game that I play, I'm now in this like where I'm a GM, like building my team and whatever. And I find if I have like three similar forwards on the same line, it doesn't work. It's really, because they all have the same skill set. Whereas I have Patrick Maroon on my team as like, you can like, you buy different players and whatever. It's called Hockey Ultimate Team mm-hmm. and you build your team and guys are all rated different things. I have like a really highly rated version of Patrick Maroon and he's really annoying when you get the puck like in the neutral zone because he's slow and like that's not what he can do. But when you're in around the net, I just pass it to that guy and he like, no one can get the puck off of him and he bangs it in. And it's almost like you need... That, that's a dumb analogy because it's a video game and hockey's not a video game. But there are some like stylistic things that I think I'm learning or thinking about a little bit more when I, as I play the game and build my own team. And like, you can't just have, you can't have a whole team of Alex Kerfoots. Maybe having one is okay if like his wingers are offering the other elements that you need. But maybe you're too easy to shut down if, if you're too similar and, and doing the same things or, I don't know. No, I think that's all valid. But I, I think, think that, but exactly the thing, it. the thing though, Jonas, about what we're talking about with like trading Engvall and Janssen and I don't, I wouldn't worry about them going too far because I don't know how they're going to do that. They have most of their team locked in. Well, you know how you do that is like, instead of, I don't know, you sign Radko Gudis and put him on your second pair. They're not going to do that. They're not going to do that. Okay. 
I think the danger is the the hard part for them is going to be getting good players that allow them to change that stylistic element at yeah. the same time. It's going to be really hard. You can't turn over an entire team, and they're no. all like the core is going to be the and same. They don't need to. Like, how many players are going to be the same when the season starts next year as this year? It's going to be like fifteen. Yeah, fourteen or fifteen. There's going to be a lot of the players, and like the fans that are angry at this team are going to be mad to hear that. But there's going to be a lot of players on the team that are the same. Even like a huge overhaul means it's going to be 13 or 14 players are the same. So it's hard to change the DNA of a team. I think what Tampa did is really smart. I mean, like, well, and those guys were under a, contract too. Is for low numbers. Thing. It wasn't just like rentals. They got guys who are. They signed. gave up a lot to get those guys. Like I remember at the time, it was like a first round pick for Barclay Goodrow. But it's like if you're in a win now, and, well, and they have cap things going on, right? So. But so it's just like, who are those players? And those guys more feel like trade. Like Patrick Maroon will be a free agent. Last I'm not year, saying he they cost... should get Patrick Maroon. I like Patrick Maroon. I'm not saying, I'm just saying. In but it's that, my it's video that game, kind of player. Good. Yeah, no, he makes sense. I have Sean Couturier on my team. And like, I, he's he's great, but he can, he does like certain things really well. He's not, he needs like some speed on the wing and stuff like that. And every, well, but that's every why, team's like that. That's why even like, I've started rethinking like Spezza. Because Spezza's like... Spezza was awesome last year for them, but he's very much in line with what they are. And like maybe on that fourth line, you need like kind of a pest, like a guy who's gonna like be like that quote unquote shift shit disturber. You know what I mean? So it's just a question of like who those guys are, how many you bring in, how many do you think can change like the mold of your team. But so Gudis is like a good example, I guess to go, to go back to that idea. If you bring in Gudis, suddenly either Sandine or Dermot or Lettinen is not playing. I don't. That's the thing is I would rather just bring in what I've got as opposed to, and instead of like pushing a young guy out of the way, like I would just go back with what they got then bring in a guy who's not that good. Okay, but so here's the, the counter to that. Is not you look that, in the playoffs, I think the playoffs is a really good reminder of you always see teams that are generally – Older, more experienced. Like Tampa right now is playing like Zach Bogosian minutes, Luke Shen minutes. Uh, Braden Coburn was scratched. Not that old. scratched. I mean, like there are younger teams. No, yeah, but look at their defense. Like Alex Adler's at, at the end. I know, Tannis. but like on, on average, they're not that old. No, but like they've brought in, like they've overpaid like guys like Roussel. But Roussel uh, is like actually, the kind of guy we're have talking about. Myers and a bunch of those guys and. I guess the point is, like, I think what you see in the playoffs is there is a different level of something that you need that's different from the regular season. And what we have seen generally from this team is it's missing a little bit of that. I mean, they were missing it during the regular season, though, too. They were shit during the regular season. Like, they did not. I don't know. So the question is how you address that. You've got the lineup in front of you, and I'm looking at it, and, like... You can see, like, if you look at the bottom six, like, there's not a lot of what you're talking about there. No, there's not a lot of bite. Who's got bite? Clifford, but Clifford, I'm not He's sure. He's not going to be back. Well, and I don't know that he should be. Yeah. Like, that's the thing. Like, you need guys who can actually, like, contribute. And obviously, in the past, he had, but... I wonder if it's a matter of some of the analytics can't capture... They can't. All the no, value. No, that's exactly it. Yes. That's Hockey's a, analytics that's exactly are not really that... And that's, I think, the bigger point is and if you build a team that is so analytically friendly, you're missing something. Yeah, but maybe. there are players who have that that are 
have good analytics. Like a hundred percent, but you are missing something if that's like your only, if your only philosophy for the types of players that you'll bring in. Like you won't bring in someone who's a little bit what like you need to look for then. Like in terms of there's got to be like data on like guys that are like good at takeaways or I don't know. Like there's got to be some. We probably just don't have the right inputs yet Maybe. for like or outputs for what we need to know. You also just have to watch, right? Like, well, I, yeah. That's what's been running through my mind is like how you, it's like a very, it's imperfect. Like it's really hard to find like the I line. just hate giving into the crowd that's like analytics don't work. And blah, no, that's, blah, blah. but that's not, that's not what I'm saying. It's kind of conceding a point to them to, it's someone, ke- to someone. You know what it is? It's conceding that there's a limit to it. And that if you go too far and just strictly look at those guys but what i'm saying jonas is that maybe they're maybe they need to look at different analytics like maybe, maybe. it's maybe like maybe other like there are other teams that are very analytical like colorado and it's working really well yeah colorado didn't want tyson berry and they really wanted nazem kadri and they didn't want they didn't want kerfoot but they also had mccarr and gerard and like Ryan but maybe they saw some things where they saw like Kadri was a massive upgrade over Kerfoot. Where when you look at the analytics, like you put you yes. put some of those charts next to great each other, example, yeah. And it's like well, and that's they look and similar. That, and that's the the limits of analytics is like it's very context based. You and I were talking about this because I've been asking for your help. You can look at one player's analytics, but if you're not judging it in the context of his team and like where he plays and who he plays with and the situations, it can lie to you. I remember when that trade happened. It was Canada Day. It was in BC. And I started getting I was like, oh, that's really interesting. Okay. They get Perry at half his salary. They get Kerfoot. Yeah, they trade Kadri. But, like, it seems like they got a lot back. And, and then I started talking to other people. And, like, other teams not involved in the trade were like, we don't like this trade. And then, like, the and then they were saying that Colorado was, like, basically doing backflips in, like, their office that they made that trade. And I'm like, maybe this was a bad idea. If you read my column, I'm like very like kind of like, I don't know about this trade. Well, and you can look, the, here's another point to that. If you look at some of the underlying numbers for Kadri this year, not as good, not great. That it, like the things we thought were maybe happening, like the decline may be happening, but in the playoffs, like it's, it matters maybe a little less. But you're, know. but you're still talking about the numbers that like, I'm talking about maybe Colorado's looking at different things and for saying sure he's not are. declining and they like what he's doing. Yeah. For well, sure. they played Kadri with not very good players. Yeah, maybe they see like. Do you know the the strong link weak weak link theory of like building a hockey team? Oh, maybe they see Kadri as like a strong link and like he can elevate lesser players, whereas a Kerfoot can't. He can't. No, at this point, he he. It looks like he can fit around good players, which is helpful. Well, we should get into all this. There's like there's like interesting like hockey theory happening online that. Yeah, uh, like I can one of, one of the things I was thinking about as you were talking is in baseball, lots of these like smart teams like Oakland, sometimes they have a guy who has a shitty on base percentage, but he hits a ton of home runs, and that and, outweighs the on and base. that outweighs it, right? And so like maybe you, there's something you've got to find to like balance it. So maybe like his possession isn't great or his expected goal is a little off, but like you dig in a little more and like there's something he does that isn't as quantifiable. I know, I know we got to wrap up, but let me throw this at you. The Leafs had the eighth best record in the league after Keefe took over. They were the highest scoring team in the NHL. They had the second best power play in the league. The Columbus series was very, very close, and you can argue the Leafs were the better team. Maybe they don't need a huge overhaul. Weren't they like the fifth or the sixth best team under Babcock last year with the second best power play? And 
almost pushed Boston without well, Kadri. Well, no, and last year they weren't that good of a team under Babcock because they finished with 100 points. That wouldn't they were they were like 12th or something. They were not. They were not the fifth or sixth best team in the NHL like last year. Like points percentage, yes, they there's were. no no there's no chance they were the fifth or sixth best All team right, in the NHL. Well, look at this right now. I will I will bet you the beer we're gonna go drink right now that okay. they were not the fifth or sixth best team in the NHL. Awesome. I like like you you hit playoffs. You got to switch it to regular season. Okay. What's that say? Tied for seventh points percentage. You said the fifth or the sixth best team. Okay, so seventh. Like fuck off. They're ninth. No, the, six ten, six ten, six. They're ten. tied for seventh with two other teams. Yeah, and they have more regulation wins than both of those teams. So suck it. Well, Thanks. They for the still weren't fifth or sixth. You said fifth or sixth. <laughs> okay, so they're seventh. Jesus, I win. Yes, so their record was better than it was under Sheldon Keefe. So, like, what do you want? Like, so if you if, like, you can you can spin the numbers any way you want. Didn't the and, Leafs have a better record than six ten under Keefe? If you look at okay, so like you want to go there. If you look at like the the three previous seasons under Babcock, it's basically the same. I points know, but percentage. they were they were getting weaker though. Okay, whatever. The what, well, what the, point are you trying to make? What what point? Where well, I'm are you just going saying that maybe they maybe we're going too far with this. Yeah, all this stuff is not working, and like they've got the wrong, the analytics are wrong, and all this stuff. Maybe, maybe, maybe what they need is, oh, Sheldon Keefe's point percentage was six two eight, right? And the three years previous under Babcock, I believe, was six two five or four years previous. So, whatever you want, but it's a it's a valid point. Are you? Are we? Are they? Overreacting to five games after a five-month layoff. The question is, you got to make the right amount of change and the right changes. And the the problem is, like as you pointed, they need out, better goaltending this year too. Like that, oh, that was a, I can't believe Michael Hutchinson in the playoffs. That's unbelievable. Dubis probably has like a hockey puck thrown through his TV after. <laughs> well, watching him try to catch that puck that went past him was very deja vu. But there is, listen, there is a danger to overreacting. Like that was five games after a five-month layoff. The, the problem with that idea is before all that crap happened, they were a very uninspiring team. Yeah. And it, was, it wasn't that long before the pause when they looked terrible I don't in think that you California road contender trip. this last year. And that's scary when you got your guys no. in your prime. Yeah. Because they were, we when they were playing those series of Boston, we were they were always building towards. You could make the legit case that if they weren't a contender, they were right there. And now it's kind of like I don't know. Yeah, and so that's why you make change. And the question is how much and where and how. And all right, Jonas is off for a little bit. When he gets back, it'll be. Uh, I believe it'll be your birthday at some point. Yeah, and yours too. Yeah, and mine. Yeah, we're both Libras, so that's kind of weird. Balance. Balance. Yeah. Well, I should mention this guy like. Jim Rutherford uh, was on with Scott Burnside and Pierre Lebron in the two-minute advantage. He is like a reporter's dream. <laughs> he just tells you everything he wants to do and who he's going to trade. And We need a little bit more Jim Rutherford in the Leafs front office. Kyle Dubas, if you're listening, please follow <laughs> Jim Rutherford and not Lou Lamorello. Just say everything. Throw us a bone. All right, so we will be back Throw me in... a freaking bone here. Thank you for the Dr. Evil. So we'll be back very soon with another leaf report hopefully with lots to talk about so be safe everyone and thank you for listening